Hi, everybody. My name is Bailey. I'm Drew. I'm Lacey. And this is Sinister, so let's get dark. <laughs> None of that sounded right. No, I don't it's... know why you said my name is Bailey. What a <laughs> nice sinister start to our... It's been, a while. Get... It's, it's been a while since I opened an episode, I think. <laughs> you forgot um, what the whole thing was like. What am I supposed to say? I'm Bailey? Yeah, we leave it I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. What did I'm I Lee. say earlier? I am Bailey? Hi, my name is Bailey. Oh. Oh, I wasn't even laughing at that. It was the and this is Sinister. Yeah. I'm gonna keep all this in, so it's great. Right. This is our intro. Oh, yeah. What are we doing today? Oh, we're just leaving that? We're not redoing it? No. no. We're it. Oh, okay. We liked it. Oh, okay, great. Um, so we're talking about um the disappearance of Tara Lee Calico. Do you guys hmm remember this case at all i I remember two things about this case one her name is that of a cat and two the picture yeah um obviously we're gonna get to the photograph um i think that's at least i feel like you're probably gonna remember this case once we talk about that because we're gonna have a giant conversation of that uh picture Okay. Yeah, Lacey, we're not going to have a little one. We're going to have a giant one. Those are my favorite conversations. They're, be, they're almost it, too big. It might be medium. <laughs> no, you said giant. No, I'm so expecting giant. No. Oh, okay. Um, and I also sent you guys a slideshow of photos of her if you want to take a look. She's really pretty. Um, so the morning of September 20th. Uh, hey. 1988. I know. It just passed or we're yeah, literally just passed. Um, Tara went for a bike ride, as she typically did, um, but would never return home. Oh. Her, her disappearance has been unsolved for 35 years. Uh, and again, we just passed the anniversary of it, which is kind of sad. Um, and we still don't really have an answer for where she is or what happened to her. Um, so Lacey, don't go too far in the slideshow. Okay. I just found it and got it open. So great. I'm with you. Uh, the first like three slideshows are okay, but, or the pictures are okay. Just don't go further. Yeah. How old was the boy in the box case? He was young, wasn't he? No, not, not his age. I'm wondering like how long long was that? unsolved before it was solved i'm trying um, to say is there still time is there still hope there there's i will get into it but they are still working on tara's case her case is still very much open okay cool um, and died in 57 boy in the box so yeah um okay so tara was born february 28th 1969 in new mexico she had brown hair with hazel eyes um, and her family was made up of her mother, Patty, and her father, David. Um, they would divorce sometime while she's a, ch- a kid. 
um, and her mother ended up remarrying a man named John. She How had two brothers. We we like all of her parents. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, she had two brothers, Chris and Todd, and a sister, a younger sister, Michelle. Um, Tara was between like five foot five and like five foot seven. She had a large scar on the back of her right shoulder and a dime sized brown colored birthmark on the back of one of her legs. Um, she is still considered a well. We have this information because she was considered a missing person for a very long time. So those distinctive markings are important. And when we go over, when we go over the photo, we're going to come back to those a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So 1988, um, she was, she was 19 attending college. Um, She was about a sophomore, technically a sophomore at the university of New Mexico in Valencia campus studying psychology she hoped in becoming a psychologist or a psychiatrist so either one gets gives the meds and one just talks that's the the difference i know of the psychologist talks and the psychiatrist can prescribe medicine yeah um she was also working at the first national bank of belen i think um it was a bank. Um, she was described by many as very intelligent. Um, she had a bright future ahead of her. She was outgoing, active, had many friends, uh, and she liked playing tennis and biked regularly. On the morning of September 20th, Tara woke up. She was dressed in a white work shirt that said First National Bank of Mellon on it, um, a pair of white shorts with green stripes white ankle socks and white and turquoise uh, avia tennis shoes. That's a brand, I think. Um, She was wearing a gold butterfly ring with a diamond insert, um, a gold amethyst ring, and a half-inch gold hoop earrings. She left her home that was in the Rio community um on Brog Street, I believe is how you say it, around 9:30 in the morning. Um this morning, she took her mother's pink bicycle because hers had a flat from a day or two previously. After her ride, she had plans to play tennis at a country club later that afternoon. And before leaving her home, she had told her mom that if she wasn't back by noon, Um, to drive out and find her just in case she got like another flat tire tara went on a daily two hour slash 36 mile bike ride on a desolate yeah so you say that word um new mexico route on 47 south highway um so she goes out she's going out alone doing her thing casual 36 mile bike ride every day (laughs) um when she failed to return home as requested patty her mother went looking for her and thought that she'd find her probably like walking home at least uh but tar was nowhere to be seen according to witnesses she was last seen riding along highway 47 
around like 11:45 a.m. So her route kind of like on her way home um when Patty couldn't find her daughter, she quickly contacted authorities. Uh, on this day, Michelle was currently um, in high school. She was a sophomore. Michelle's her younger sister. Um, and she remembers that she got picked up from school by one of Tara's friends and that friend's boyfriend. And they took her straight home to a house full of cops. She remembers her house being complete chaos with a lot of law enforcement personnel friends family and people from the community wanting to help so pretty much we jumped into action when tara didn't come home mm-hmm. um the only evidence found around tara's route was a boston cassette tape sorry i missed my spot a piece of her walkman cassette player which was like a hundred yards off the highway footprints on the ground leading to what appeared to be a scuffle um bike tracks which could have been hers we're not really sure um but those the bike tracks were seen alongside uh like a vehicle's tire tracks and an oil slick but tara and the bike were never found um pretty much like initially the initial investigation like every lead led to a dead end like there was not a lot of evidence at the scene. They had no trail or anything to follow. Um, and it's 1988. There's not a lot of, like, ca- there's no cameras anywhere. And witness statements were obviously the only one that we have is from when she was, like, on her way home. Lacey, who's the cat behind you in the... Uh... Oh, I didn't even see Paul up there. That's Sebastian. Ah. Yeah, we're sorry. Who? He's uh to her right shoulder. Lift that leg. Get it. There he goes. How are you seeing him? He's up here. I'll point again. See? Oh. I'll point like this. Did you not see the movement? No. Here's what was happening. I had there are screens smaller. Oh. When I hit the bigger box, I can see Sebastian. Yeah, he's my heavy breather. Yeah. Does he need to go to the vet? He needs a CPAP machine. He sounds like he has sleep apnea just all the time. Does he have a smushy face nose or like a normal? He has a normal Mm -hmm. face. Yeah. He's fine. My heavy breathing boy. My silly cat dog. My big fat baby boy. (laughs) He's gained weight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Back to Tara. Uh, the only possible lead worth noting and really that I found that they had at that time um, was a report of a light colored pickup truck with an attached camper shell um, that was observed driving close behind Tara as she rode home. I don't like that. No, I don't like it either. Um, especially something about the camper being attached to just well, makes the it worse. The camper back. Yeah, but still, like, it just makes I, it worse. Well, yeah, it makes it creepier. Yeah. Um, her family never lost hope. Um, they continued to work trying to find her. Uh, it was said that if it wasn't for Patty, the investigation might have ended decades ago. 
They continued to plead for any information that would lead to answers. Patty and her stepfather and Tara's stepfather, John, appeared on numerous national TV shows to talk about Tara and to reach out to anyone with any information. They were actually both deputized by the county sheriff's office to be able to investigate. This allowed them to carry weapons and also contact any law enforcement agency on behalf of the county sheriff's office. I'm going to pause there. How do you feel about that? I don't like that. And here's why. I don't like that they said that if it weren't for them, the case would have, like, they would have stopped. Because, like, it's not... It shouldn't be the victim's or, like, the parents of the victim's job to keep police motivated to solve a crime. And and then the fact that they deputized them, they're basically saying, look, we don't want to do it anymore, but here, you're working for us. You you can do do it it yourself. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I also, I think... As the parents of someone that has gone missing or might possibly be dead, I um I worry that they shouldn't be deputized because they have a lot of emotion behind them. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that also, they're carrying like, weapons too, like what if they come on a suspect and they get a little bit too like emotional and Or what if they figure it out and they solve the case and like she's been she's been murdered, hypothetically. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it was John. Conflict of interest. They could poke holes in that defense. Like, the defense could poke holes in that so easily. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. Think. Yeah, lots of, I, lots of I really there. feel like the police were like, we don't, we can't do it anymore. We don't want to. So let's just give them, let's throw them a bone. Mm-hmm. Let them. Also, also would get them to stop bothering them about it. They probably were like, yeah. we're, not only are we kind of done with it, but they're, they keep after us they keep bothering us so this will make them feel like we're giving them some power and they can deal with it and they'll leave us alone yeah like i i like that they were so quick to go into action with this but like it feels like they gave up and they are being lazy about it now yeah and i will say playing devil's advocate there really wasn't like a lot of evidence at the scene just an obvious scuffle that something happened but like Mm -hmm. that could have that might not have been like tara's stuff or tara's bike tracks but yeah so i can see how it's like frustrating for them too like she literally was like just kind of plucked out off of the earth without a trace i could see that too but i I just don't like that they were like I, I do don't it. like the fact that the family was deputized. I think that's too close and a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we're going to get into the following year, 1989. This is where the photograph comes in. They received a promising tip that came in from Florida. It's always Again, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Tara was taken from New Mexico. They're if basically neighbors. You're right. If anyone's good with geography, that's a lot of mile mileage between the two. But yeah. anyway, I'm pretty sure you could just walk. I mean, technically, you, you, you could walk anywhere. No, uh, Lacey, not to you're not wrong, wrong. Lacey. Okay, yeah, well, it depends on your need for not to Antarctica being above water. 
<laughs> my point stands. Got it. Got it. Okay. Anyway. Um, so a woman discovered a Polaroid picture in St. Port, Port St. Joe, sorry, Florida. This is probably the thing that most people remember about this, the case, as Drew remembered. Um, Lacey, you can flip to the, um, it should be the last slide. You can take a look at it. Um, you might remember it once you see it. Pretty much in the photo, um, it's a young woman and a younger boy uh, appearing to lie on some sheets and a blue striped pillow. Their mouths are covered with duct tape and their hands appear to be tied behind their backs. Um, I'm throwing a peer in there because you don't see their hands and they're kind of like lying on their hands. So you don't really know if they're actually tied. Um, there's not a lot of detail in the photo. Um, I will say based on like the angle, it kind of appears to be taken like angled sort of like downward almost like someone was standing like over them. Um, but you can't really tell if it's like a van or a house or a basement or like anything in the background. Um, the only other thing in the I, photo, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say I to me it looks like maybe the bed of a truck, and they're standing at the tailgate. Yeah, I mean, because it's all... like the boy is further back, mm -hmm. and Tara or the girl. Is we're like closer to her feet. Well, and the other way I was seeing it is if like you have like one of those bigger like white panel vans and the side door is open and Tar is closest, like you can also get that angle that way too. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. So that just goes to show you how like there's very little detail of like where they are. Um. The only other notable thing in the photo is a book that's right next to the girl. Um. So this photo was found on the ground in a uh, of a convenience store parking lot. Um, a white Toyota van with no windows and a sliding door had been parked in the spot prior to the discover to the discovery of it. The witness said the man driving appeared to be in his thirties, so like sort of a basic description. Mm -hmm. um, what do you mean, sort of? Like, there's no information. <laughs> He looks he 30 and he's 30. a man. He's a man. <laughs> I, I mean, I probably could have told, like, any FBI profile could have told you that because it would have had to have been someone who was strong and young enough to get somebody off of a bike. Stop yelling at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying this witness sucks. Well, not, so not super strong because if it is Tara in the photo or... In any way, Tara was about like 120 ish pounds, which she seems oh, like someone who would fight back. I, yeah, I mean, she was active, so maybe she she would have, but I mean, and she was she's on tiny. a bike. She could have just pedaled away. <laughs> what if she had a flat again? She could have run. I'm saying that this person probably tackled her. Okay. Or okay. They tricked her. And grabbed her like and what her the to used to be. Like, act like they needed help and she said, Bundy. Help and they, yes, that, thank you. I prefer yeah. what's his face. <laughs> yeah, the it's anonymous not, serial killer. He's not, he's not worth noting his name. Mm -hmm. um, or it could have been multiple people. True. Anyway, back to the photo. Um, 
the woman in the photo can kind of look like she's about the same age as Tara, um, like a 19-year-old. Well, at that point, she'd probably be like 20. Um, she's obviously in like different clothes. Remember, Tara was wearing mostly like white clothing, while the girl in the photo is in like what looks like black shorts and a gray t-shirt. The boy who's, as we, Drew and I were discussing, is kind of more in the background of the girl. And pretty much the only thing that he's seen wearing is, like, a light blue shirt. Um, I thought some, it was white. I thought it was blue. That could just be the picture I'm looking at. Let, Let me, me look break again. The time. Did I, you... think it lo- I think, I'm going to say light blue because the pillow he's leaning on looks like it's there's white stripes on it, and his mm. shirt looks blue compared to that. Yeah, there there's not usually different shades of a color, so that listen. That's it's really more than still white. since Drew's been feeling better. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's yeah. like ready to go. Anyway, um, so the boy in the background, some people believed that it was uh a boy called Michael Paul Henley Jr. Who we're gonna a lot of names. Sorry. It is a lot of names. We're just gonna call him Michael. Um Michael was a nine year old boy who vanished in uh April nineteen eighty eight, so a few months before Tara had vanished, also in northern New Mexico. Michael was approximately sixty five pounds, Caucasian male with blonde hair, brown eyes, and I have to assume that this is a really cute birthmark, but it was described as a raspberry birthmark on his eyelid. What do you think it looked like? Raspberry. Okay. I wasn't sure if maybe they, like, were saying, like, the color was, like, kind of like a raspberry? I think, yeah, I think that that's what that was, because, like... The color? Yeah, there's a thing called a strawberry mark, I think. Yeah. It's a hemangioma. Something with it's blood. A bir- it's a birthmark often appearing as a rubbery bright red nodule of extra blood vessels. Oh. Lou, Lou has a strawberry mark on his thigh. TMI. It's by his knee. TMI. Yeah. I don't want to know about yeah. your husband's knees. Oh. <laughs> Does he but- know you're out here just flaunting him like this? Does he like it? Keep your hey, keep your knees to yourself. Oh, 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 oh it's very raised. Yeah, it's some so of them cute, are though. Yeah, some of them are larger than gnarly. Other ones are just like yeah. All right. Um. So, Michael. His father and a family friend were camping in the Zuni, Z-U-N-I, does that sound right, Uh, mountains, which were approximately 75 miles away from, like, where Tara was taken. Uh, Michael had wandered off slash disappeared when they had just started setting up the camp. His family, friends, and the National Guard conducted a month-long search but found no trace of him. A snowstorm hit the area at the time, making the search even more difficult. And by, uh, but in June, 
1998, so a year after this photo was found. His remains were found in the park just a few miles from the campsite they were. Um, He was identified through dental records, and his cause of death was believed to be hypothermia. Foul play was ruled out. So then why do they think that he's the boy in this picture? So when they found the photo, they thought, oh, this looks like Michael. This might be him. Obviously. Yeah. Then they found him. I only, I'm only bringing Michael up just because you can't not mention him when we bring up the photo. Because even though it's been proved incorrect, their cases are linked. Um, That being said, other people thought that the girl, or think that the girl in the photo is Tara. Um, Her mother didn't think so initially, but she... Something about the scar, uh, I assume, on the girl's leg looks identical to Tara's birthmark on her leg. It must be, like, easier to see on the real Polaroid because any photo I tried to look up at, like, at it, I can't see anything on those legs. I don't know about you guys. No, just from this little bit of looking I'm doing here. Yeah. When you said that, I immediately started scanning. Yeah. But, yeah, it's probably on the, like, original. It's easier. Yeah. Um, The FBI examined the photo and couldn't determine whether it was Tara 100%. um, But experts in the Los Alamos National Laboratory say they don't believe it's her either. So there's a lot of back and forth on whether this is Tara or not. Um, I've seen people try to, like, zoom in on the girl's face and try to match it to Tara's, like, eyebrows and, like, eyes and stuff. Uh, I don't have one of those photos to show you guys, but I'm sure you can Google it. The only weird thing about this photo is that the book shown in the photo is written by a V.C. Andrews, who was reportedly to be Tara's favorite author. Hmm. Yeah. See, the problem is, like, those photos are sort of at the right angle, but to me, the eyebrows are wrong. That's what I was thinking, is that yeah. the eyebrows, and then I was looking at the other pictures you have on here of her trying to see, and I know, like, you know, people can change the shape of their eyebrows, but it wasn't like she would have been getting hers done while she was being held anywhere. Yeah. And, like, changing the thinness or thickness is one thing, but in the picture, the girl's eyebrows are very straight. More like what's popular now, actually. Um, The straight across eyebrows. Whereas in all the other pictures of her, they're more arched. Yeah. Not, like, dramatically, though. So, I don't know. The, The eyebrows stood out to me, like, immediately. But then, if you look at the slide that you have before that, like, her missing person photo. Mm hmm the middle picture, her eyebrows look straighter across the top of her, like right above her eye, like in this picture. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's hard. And that's where yeah. all the controversy like comes. I think I've listened to like another podcast I talk about like it's weird that like you you don't know if this is like a real photo too because it could be posed. You can't see restraints on the hands. They seem in a very comfortable spot 
like wherever they're being held. But I mean, if they those people were kidnapped for terrifying reasons, a captor might give like amenities like that. Um, the book is also a little weird too because if you have someone captive and their hands are tied behind them back why are you giving them a book yeah not like she can sit and read it if her hands are tied up maybe with her feet yeah it would be weird for captives to even care enough although there's there's weird people out there so yeah i mean there's a few people that like but like those usually i feel like are once like stockholm syndrome like fully kicks Mm -hmm. in and like captives become compliant then i feel like you start getting like pre- like presence like that just to like continue say, it's like reminding me of like a i don't know one of those tv shows that i've watched where they're the guy's kidnapping people to make his own family and, mm-hmm. and like they're allowed to like get books that they like they yeah. just can't leave him but I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I've never held someone captive before. Um, There's still time. <laughs> it's one of my goals for next year. Just kidding. On our bucket list. <laughs> um, that's why we're holding out for a house. We need an appropriate basement. <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Um, if that's Tara in the photo, it's only been like not even a full year because the photo was found in June of the following year after she went missing. That seems like pretty quick to start like giving like presents and stuff. Like, I don't know how long Stockholm syndrome like kicks in. Well, what maybe like the scenario isn't that she's got Stockholm syndrome, but he like whoever took her is trying to build a happy family. And he's like, I'll get you your favorite book. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's still she's still duct taped. So, yeah. obviously, she's not, like, happily cooperating with whatever's happening there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, that's the big mystery of this case. Um, but in 1998, a judge formally declared Tara to be dead. Um, they did Ooh. file her death as a homicide. Okay. Okay. I don't know how they are able to make that distinction or what it affects, I guess, so her case remains open. Yeah, I think maybe maybe they can rule it out by just eliminating other things. Like, if she'd, you know, had an accident on the road, she would have been found, or there'd be, like, rules out other ways she could have died. And I, I haven't seen anything about, like, even hinting that like the possibility it like was brought up that she she like ran away um that's interesting because a lot of times that comes up yeah in cases where young adults or like any age adult goes missing is there's always people who were like well they could have just left but it seems like with this one they immediately were like yeah all right this is a missing person yeah Let's do you get think on that the scuffle that was found along her route sold it for them even though it wasn't like definitively, you can fake a scuffle though. Yeah, yeah, but it was the eighties. Nobody's faking I, scuffle. Um, 
But I mean, like, if the police don't want to investigate, they can, like, they can bullshit. So, that one of the cases I want to do in the future, I just saw a TikTok on it, was this woman who was found in a barrel in a lake near her private house. And this was, like, in the 80s or the 70s, too. Um, and the police ruled it an accident. I hate when I accidentally get in a barrel and then put myself in a lake and then drown. That's it's the worst. Well, I mean, I don't know if she actually drowned. Like, she could have died from something else and then... No, but it was an accident, so... Did I, I, hate when I'm, I hate when I'm murdered and accidentally end up in a barrel. Hate that. That's the worst way to end, like, a vacation. Yeah. And it's your own fault, because it's an accident, so... But anyway, like, like that. Like, if they don't believe it, they'll... Anyway. Yeah, um, so, Tara's disappearance has spanned, like, the investigation has spanned through seven different uh, Valencia County Sheriff administrations. And they've each kind of taken a different approach. Um, in we're going to jump to 2008 at this point because the rest of them were kind of like, eh. Um, so in 2008, Sheriff uh, Riviera, I think that's how you say it, um, said that different leads over the years led to obtaining search warrants for various properties where it was said that Tara's body had been buried. They dug up many places, finding nothing. He also took to claiming that Calico had died from a hit and run after two teenagers hit her with a truck and fled the scene. He continued uh, claiming that he knew who the perpetrators were, but could not make a case because he did not have Calico's body. From witnesses, they th- uh, from witnesses, they think that she was most likely killed on the day of her disappearance by boys she knew from school. Mm. That's Which is an interesting statement to say. That yeah. just seems like a lot of guessing. Yeah. He has, like, no evidence to support any of that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I don't, can't remember the other case, but I feel like we've, like, at least heard or come across another case where an investigator or a sheriff will be like, oh, I know what happened, but, but like, yeah. I don't have enough evidence, and I know who did it, but, like, I can't bring it in. Like, wasn't that one of mine? Which I, one was it? I don't know. Was it the Sims family or something? Sims family was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was me. That was my very first one. Which, like, why are you making these grand accusations? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like it's just it's nuts. I know it. I've solved the case, but I can't tell you guys. <laughs> like just it's just, know that I know. Like I'm not sure if it's like a public pressure thing. Mm. But I don't know. Honestly, just... if like if they know <laughs> and they're like cuz some of them are like it's a deathbed thing and they're like I know who did it. Just fucking tell people. You know what I mean? The worst that happened, well, You're I was going to say yeah you're right i was gonna say the worst that happens is nothing changes but i guess the worst that happens is they accuse an innocent person who goes to jail so but still like if you think you know just tell us you still have to be tried and you still have to go through like a whole like jury system whatever um so then in 2013 the sheriff's office 
officially reopened her case and developed a six-person task force that included agents from the Federal Homeland Security Investigators. Oh, I thought you were just going to end it with investigation. And I was like, that's a cute little investigation. Um, The New Mexico State Police Department, the Valencia County Sheriff's Office, the Albuquerque Police Department, and the Bernalillo, I think that's how you say it, um, County Sheriff's Office. There's a lot of different counties and shit in here. Um, Then, in the same year, they got a deathbed confession. Sort of. So, Henry Brown... Uh, told a story on his deathbed that he was a witness to this. He revealed that shortly after Tara's disappearance, he was in a basement of a man named Lawrence uh, Romero Jr. I don't know why I had trouble with that last name. I'm sorry. I was going to (laughs) say. Sorry. Um, Basic name. While he was in the basement, he noticed what appeared to be a young woman's body wrapped in a blue tarp and buried in a makeshift makeshift grave super casual i mean maybe it was around the time of halloween and it was like a decoration i don't know but um like you're not gonna yeah i wouldn't just hang out with a dead body yeah you know you're not everybody clearly get on our level drew what do you think I do at work? Just kidding. <sighs> anyway, um, so Romero, along with a man named David Silva, and another man with red hair, told Henry, the witness that came forward on his deathbed, um, that the body wrapped in blue tarp was the body of Tara. They told him that on September 20th, Ramiro, Silva, and another boy named Leroy Chavez. I was hoping you'd say Jenkins. Oh. Aw. And the Ginger Boy. So four boys. Is uh, that his name, Ginger Boy? They didn't give me a name. It's really, I feel bad. He's just known as the Ginger Boy. I don't want to identify him as just the Ginger. Um... (laughs) Although, it could be a blessing in disguise, because if he's innocent, everybody else is getting their names. True. Um, so, the four boys were driving around while they when they noticed Tara was riding her bike. Um, they tried getting her attention, but accidentally struck her with the truck, which... Dick move. How close Don't are you driving to bike? She should have been paying attention to them. She had her Walkman. She was probably listening to music. It's unacceptable. Okay. Um, after they struck her, they then decided to abduct her. Super cash. Um, yeah, obviously. Took her to a grave pit and raped her. Obviously. Uh, that's the chronicle- chronological orders of how that would work. Um, they... Tara afterwards threatened to go to the police. Um, Ramiro. Ramiro? Yeah. Ramiro then stabbed her to death. Well, 
Chavez, the ginger, and Silva uh, held her down. Doing a great job. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, they then hid her body in a bush. But while cert- when searches quickly began for her, they had to move her to the basement. Uh, Henry told investigators that they threatened to kill him if he went to the police. Henry said they were able to get away with it because Ramiro's father, Lawrence Ramiro Sr., was the sheriff at the time. He and the other boy's parents also allegedly helped cover up the crime. Henry said that he believed the men later placed Tara's body in a pond near one of their houses and her bike was disposed of at a junkyard. Well, isn't wouldn't that be easy enough to check for a body in a pond? I don't know if they did. Okay. Um, now I'm leaning more towards corruption. I think yeah. Um, another man came forward and told the police that one one of the suspects had confessed to him as well, and Ramiro. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ramiro. Ramiro. Yeah. Junior. Um, committed suicide in 1991. So, I mean, we'll never know his side of things or if he actually yeah. did it. Um, yeah, but we could find the ginger and the other eight boys that were apparently involved. Well, I mean, we'll never know which ginger it was. There's multiple gingers I in the world. I feel like you could figure it out based on, like, who their friends were. Yeah, you're looking for the ginger one. Yeah. Uh, okay. um, it's not like they said the Burnett or, like, the blonde kid. Even the blonde kid might be easy to figure out. Well, kind of blonde, though. I'll check all of them. Okay. Um, knowing this story and deathbed confession, this could explain why the police were like not super great in the beginning and were like, oh, yeah, we can deputize the family and they can try to figure it out themselves. This might also explain um, the sheriff in 2008's. Uh, grand statement of he knew who it was but couldn't do anything about it um but despite the testimony of witnesses no charges had been filed because they haven't been able to find tara's body that same year they offered a ten thousand dollar reward to anyone that proved information about the whereabouts or the remains of tara um, by October 2019, the FBI offered a $20,000 reward for anyone who could help locate Tara or identify those involved in the abduction or the murder. In the fall of 2021, the 13th Judicial District Court Judge, Sidney Mercer, sealed a search warrant, air quotes, relevant to the case that was executed at a home in Valencia County. This is the most recent update. Um, It's from June this year. Um, From the Valencia County Sheriff's Office, they announced a breakthrough in the case. 
quote, in the coming months, the Valencia County Sheriff's Office looks forward to working with prosecutors to obtain justice for Tara and her family. They believe that there is enough evidence to submit the investigation to the district attorney's office for review of potential charges. Well, that's exciting. However, to Uh protect the integrity of the investigation, information is very limited. This is... Yeah. Yeah. Um, According to Sheriff Virgil, who is the sheriff now of that county, they will reveal all in due time the names of the persons in interest have been sealed by the court. Virgil said Tara's family has suffered long enough. The people responsible for this will have to answer to the family and the community. Which, that whole bed confession, like, I could see it being multiple people. It might be. Yeah, someone to drive the getaway car, someone to drive her. Yeah, I said I can wait because, like, knowing that there's, like, something coming is very comfy yeah it's very exciting um and i've i've it's obviously september and i've researched this like in the like past like few weeks and i haven't seen any updates um so i'm kind of curious to see when they'll release stuff and yeah put it all into motion we'll have to give an update um one of our episodes when they uh finally release the names and stuff yeah and I haven't, I mean, they still, there was still nothing about, like, finding her body. Um, that, I feel like, would have been big news. Yeah, it probably mm-hmm. would have been. Um, so I'm interested to see also, like, what other evidence they have. Yeah, um, they have to have a good bit of evidence mm-hmm. because you, there's not usually charges brought when there's no body. Yeah, because it's so hard so, to, yeah. I um, feel like they have really excellent evidence, so that's cool. But I'd like to end this episode before we, like, talk more about anything um, with updates of her family. Yes. Tara's biological father, David, died in 2002. Mm -hmm. John, her stepfather, um, died earlier this year but was surrounded by his family. Patty died in May 2006. um, And she, again, never gave up trying to find answers. Um, Tara's brothers and her brother-in-law. Um, so her brothers were Chris and Todd and her brother-in-law is Tom, um, are still doing well. Uh, her sister and her new sister-in-law, Michelle and Deb are all very hopeful and probably very excited to see what happens with the evidence coming out. Um, in 2017, Melina, oh, I forgot to look up her last name. We're just going to call her Melina. Um, One of Tara's friends and Michelle, Tara's little sister, created a podcast and started their own investigation into Tara's disappearance. Well, somebody needs to. Yeah. Yeah. Did the deputization of the parents get transferred to the children once they've died? It didn't say. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, honestly, like, realistically i know it doesn't but like yeah. it's just so dumb that they did that that's yeah that would to me that would be a slap in the face yeah like to me that says we don't want to do it anymore you're clearly obsessed so you here you handle it um but that is 
Tara Calico, and hopefully we get some kind of update in the near future. Good job, Bailey. Thanks. Are you guys excited to be going into October? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I am currently working on my uh, Creepy Places episode. It's going to be very fun. Uh, well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.